What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Ubuntu Nutrition Podcast. Today, we have nutritionist and coach Brian O'Hengisa on once again to talk about the issues with the calorie balance equation when aiming for weight loss or health improvement, as well as we dive into the problems associated with the ancient rule of finishing what's on your plate. Very insightful conversation, only part one of a two-part series. So sit back, relax, and listen up. Okay, welcome everyone to another episode of Ubuntu Nutrition Podcast, which was meant to come out on Wednesday. In my last episode, Ryan, I promised I would have one. I promised, like I made a guarantee I'd have an episode every Wednesday. And the first weekend did, I didn't hold up to my promise. So <laughs> zero out of uh, one there now. But anyway, we well, have Brian O'Hengisa back on the podcast. So welcome. Thank you, sir. It's good to be back. Uh, I'm glad to be back on the podcast, of course. Uh, we're going to have a good chat. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to it. So will you just, um, for people who I suppose haven't listened to your earlier episode, but I'm sure most of them did, actually a lot of people reached out about that. Um, oh, good. It was great. Yeah, yeah. Um, except for the fact I had to re-record my questions. Did you notice that? Uh, I don't know how no, I knew you, because I knew that you had to do that, it probably influenced how I listened to it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm just glad that you were able to recover the, the audios at uh, that time and they weren't just lost to the ether and then we'd have to no. go again well yeah. it was your one that was your one was fine right and uh, oh yeah i actually lost the complete audio as well on that i forgot and i and i text you and you were like hey man it happens yeah yeah i was very stoic about it um, yes yeah, so that's what we're going to talk about today was, as well which is great le- that was lesson one in in the actual trenches yeah yeah um yeah. sorry i will i'll introduce myself again um and in fairness some things have changed since that podcast so um it, it, it's worth repeating. So my name is Brian O'Hengisa. I am a university qualified nutritionist and nutrition coach, and I work as the head nutritionist in Triage Method, um, which is an online coaching company and massive, massive education platform. So there, there's tons of the highest quality articles you're going to find on nutrition, health, fitness. Um, you know, prior to me joining Triage, it was all training and lifestyle coaching so there's always training programming but now there's a nutrition department now that i'm there um so yeah that's where i'm uh, coaching people now um and yeah i think that's 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 enough about me uh we we can just talk and and let the rest speak for itself (laughs) well he does a lot of stuff on instagram now he's increasing his social profile or his social presence which you know you're sharing great content at the moment and um, actually, quick question about triage because it just came to me. Mm. So I went to college with Gary. I was living next to him for the first year. That's how I kind of knew of him. And he was in my, yeah, he was in my course in sports science. And then he transferred into physio after that first year. Oh yes. Oh, okay. Didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. So, um, I'm wondering if they talked to you about where the name triage came from. No. Um, well, I mean, I'm aware of, oh, do you know, or are you asking? Yeah. In the hospital setting. I'm yeah, just wondering. Yeah. I yeah, haven't heard a, from their perspective of why they used it, though. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a medical term, as you know. Um, most people don't know that, and most people think it has to do with having three, three, three people try, um, because, you know, Larry was in there in, initially as well in the beginning. So they were like, oh, yeah, there's three guys, so that's why it's called triage. triage um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not the case. Uh, that's what most people think it is. But, you know, triage is, 
if I'm not mistaken, a a medical term uh, that refers to like prioritization of needs at that moment in time for a patient. Mm. Um, and that's kind of the the application of the coaching process. Um, so you you know you may have a long list of things that need addressing, but we're going to start with what's the most prominent, the most important, and then work our way through. I think. Gotcha. Uh, I think that's that's the origin of it. Okay. And yeah, the, the lad's going to be pretty pissed if I've gotten that wrong now. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure that's kind of like what I saw from it when I learned what the term is. Because when I heard it, I had no idea that that was a medical process yeah yeah is that a fair is that a fair yeah, assessment for sure. of what yeah. it means yeah yeah cool like complete personalization uh priority based kind of coaching i suppose yeah that's what mm. it seems to me but very cool name all the same anyway okay we'll dive right in so today we're going to talk about uh, some stoicism and i guess this is kind of really important for people who are struggling right now um with their just well-being and mental health over a covid lockdown which is kind of mainstay in Ireland right now. But first, we're going to just dive into a couple of questions about some of the, the stuff that Brian has been talking about on his Instagram. Okay. Just to start off, um, I put up a post, I think it was two days ago. Yeah, two days ago, talking about how, why the ketogenic diet works. And my plan is to put up like a series of different diets and kind of their main mechanisms of action, just to kind of show people this is not what's going to happen. This might be what's going to happen. This is what you have to watch out for. And it's not my intention to kind of like completely kill off any diets, you know? Um, but Brian commented and said, I'm so glad you didn't just say it's just a calorie or it's just a calorie deficit because that's what we tend to see, you know, all over social media. Now people are like, Oh, okay. If I just say it's a calorie deficit, I'm evidence-based, you know? (laughs) So, Yeah, do you want to just maybe talk about why it's important that we understand there's a lot more going on? Ultimately, physiologically, it's a calorie deficit, but yeah. But there's more to it than that. And yeah, I mean, this this happens all the time in nutrition where the pendulum swings. So if the pendulum is over on the side where ketogenic diets work because ketosis, um, paleo diets work because you're eating what your ancestors ate, um, you know, and juice cleanses work because I don't know whatever they say about juice cleanses nowadays, but um, the pendulum has swung now in the other direction that we've overshot it as not let's say we do, but the nutrition field as a whole tends to overshoot. So now it's like, oh, we can educate people on how energy balance is the main driver of success in those diets. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you're able to eliminate kind of fads and help people understand the principles that are getting them results in, in these diets. Mm. But like I said, it's gone too far in the other direction. Now it's just like a battle cry, as you said, for evidence-based practice and in nutrition is it's all about energy balance, all about calorie deficits um, for fat loss. And we have to remember there's a lot more to nutrition than just fat loss as well. Like that's, that's not the, the be all and end all for everybody. Like as nutritionists, we do a whole lot more than just help people with weight loss. Like, yes, it's a, it's a big goal for most people. Um, but it's not all we do. And to just write it off as energy balance, calorie deficits is quite redundant. Um, because like we were talking about before we started, 
there's so much more to it in a, in a given situation. And that's why I really like that post. Cause you actually say like, you're not saying, you know, keto sucks and nobody should do it and just follow a calorie deficit and you'll be fine. There are potentially distinct advantages and benefits to a ketogenic diet for a given individual. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in my coaching practice, someone says to me, Hey, I want to try a ketogenic diet. I'll say, okay. Um, I'm going to tell them what's involved. I'm going to tell them what I think the pros and cons are. And if they want to pull the trigger on that, yeah, screw, yeah, why not? Let's do it for a few weeks and see what happens. Um, but where it becomes redundant just to say, oh, it's all about energy balance. For fat loss, it's like, yeah, but what influences energy balance? Mm. Like there's a whole concoction of things that are going to influence not so much your energy output, but like definitely your energy input. You know, so if you're highly stressed, if you're an emotional eater, yeah, if you have trauma that drives you to eat because you're trying to, you know, avoid the pain of having to think about that or lean into that experience, how how can you then say to a person in that situation, yeah, but you just got to do a calorie deficit, right? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just let's get this calorie deficit going, baby. Um, and it, it's just not, it's just it's not good practice. It's not it's yeah. not helpful. So while it's hugely important that people understand the energy balance is the main driver of uh, weight loss, fat loss, which is great to know. It's like, it's fantastic. It is a great turnaround from people saying like, you know, vegan diets are the only way to lose weight. Keto diets mm. are the only way to lose weight. Paleo diets are the only way to lose weight. Um, because of all these kind of bullshit reasons, uh, you know, it's great. But then we still have to look at the individual in front of us and help them figure that out you know, in terms of okay, how do they cultivate or encourage this, uh, you know, illustrious calorie deficit that they need to be in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, the education of that is important. And then you also have to go and help the person um, figure that out because there's so many things that could potentially influence that. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, I was lying in bed last night and usually I get all my ideas in bed for some reason. And I was like, oh, this is a good kind of metaphor for it. It's like, but then I woke up this morning and I forgot it. It was gone. And I just remembered it right now. Oh, class. Yeah, yeah. So I haven't thought it through yet. So it might not actually apply, but we'll see. It's like going to a mechanic with your car. It's broken down. You have no idea what's going on. And him saying, your engine's, your engine's messed up. Oh, okay. So what's going on with it? Oh, it's, it's just, you need to fix your engine. But not telling you at what is going on in the engine do you know what i mean it's yeah. like yeah. that's the that's the main thing that's going on the engine is not turning on it's not driving the car but there's so many different unique things sorry about that there's so many unique things that could be going on in the engine you know and then we apply that to nutrition you know there could be some disorder like you made a great example there if someone is having trouble they do they have great days and then after eight o'clock comes after work they binge out, they, they, you know, they excessively snack, they can't stay out of the cupboards or the, free, the fridge. And someone says to them, like, you know, one of these kind of now nutrition coaches, you just got to get in the calorie balance. They're not going to be able to do anything with that because it's clearly nothing to do with the, their inability to quantify what they're eating. It's their inability to kind of like tackle the disordered behavior. Mm. So it's almost like saying to someone with depression, oh, you just need to be happy though. There you go. Yeah. Why aren't you happy? Yeah. Yeah. You're just, mm-hmm. Your your levels of like satisfaction in your life just to be need to be higher than the than the levels of dissatisfaction. Yeah. And there you, you go. Depressed. Easy. 
That's a um, good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just came up with that as well myself. We're just in an, in an analogy uh, mind meld here. So. <laughs> um, we're coming to another thing that you made up yourself, which is fucking class. Okay, so that's calorie flogging. Um, if you're someone who doesn't have a huge idea or a great idea in nutrition and you hear it's all about calorie deficit, understand that, yes, ultimately it is, but for weight loss now, but there's other factors, secondary, tertiary, quaternary, that the fourth rung though? Yeah. Hey man, I don't know. I only go as far as three. Anyway. You've gone one rung, yeah. <laughs> one rung above, <laughs> above my pay grade here. Okay, um, next question is, Brian's Instagram is Brian O'Hingasa, and you should go follow him. And he started doing his reels, which are like six to 10 minute videos, just talking about a deep diving into the topic. Uh, they're kept very, very general, um, which, which you're great at doing. That's why I love having you on. You're not coming on here talking about complex, you know, processes or anything like that. Mm. But it's about finishing like the, the kind of childhood idea of finishing what's on our plate and then finishing what's on our plate to get to dessert, to get to something sweet. And you said it's relatively benign, but how that can actually kind of like fracture your relationship with food. So maybe if you just kind of talk about that a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're brought up on, on some of these kind of guidelines around eating that, you know, if you eat all your food, you're a good little boy or girl. And if you want the dessert, then you can't have dessert until you have your dinner um this idea of you got to you know finish what's on your plate so that you're not wasting food you know um it's not wasteful and that you must eat all your dinner this is the best one but you must eat all your dinner because there's children starving in africa and if you waste food here they somehow suffer more i don't know it it obviously doesn't make any sense but these are the kind of things we're fed uh as children which can then bleed into adult life because like a lot of our development happens in our early years so we're going to take those kind of learned behaviors habits experiences into later life and then so then maybe you end up as a person who no matter what always uh always cleans their plate and the point i was making that you said you enjoyed was that what are the chances that every single time you serve up a meal for yourself that it's the perfect amount that like when you clean that plate that was just the right amount for you and you're going to hit on that sometimes for sure but you know 100 percent of the time it's not probable statistically that 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 will be the case therefore is cleaning your plate a good guideline for how you approach your meals and i would argue it's probably not um and most people probably agree like you know listening to this and I just wanted to get people thinking about what actually does guide those food decisions. Like, is it that they feel they're going to clean their plate? Um, and why is that the case? And maybe what else could they do instead? You know, potentially, you know, eating their meal slowly, getting a sense for how full they actually are as the meal goes on. And then maybe if they're three quarters of the way full, true, and they feel, you know, I'm pretty content here, I probably don't need to have any more, then maybe they can stop there. And that will like eliminate assuming food selection is decent like that will eliminate a lot of overeating for people Mm. and you may find yourself in this you know calorie deficit that we're talking about um without having to be so meticulous about tracking your food and things like that so yeah it was just to get people thinking um the fact is that if you use bigger or smaller plates or bowls you will eat more or less um 
and then the example that I gave in that in that research study was uh, people going to the cinema were given free popcorn upon entry. Um, some people were given small popcorns, some people were given big popcorns. The people who had the bigger popcorn ended up eating uh, a significant amount more. Um, don't quote me, but I want to say about forty percent more. And the kicker for all this was that the, the popcorn was like two or three days old, so like it was stale. It was not tasty. It was not fresh. It wasn't hot out of the popcorn maker. Yet people still ate a lot of it mm. just because it was put there in front of them, you know, which signals to the importance of environment. And um, they're sitting there watching a movie, so they're also not mindful of what they're doing. That's another component to this. Um, and I suppose the fact that it, it was free, you know, maybe drove some eating as well there. Yeah, yeah, that was a very cool study. Um, yeah, so like one of the tips I kind of give, and I do myself all the time, is I use a small like dessert plate as my dinner plate. And if I want yeah. seconds, I'm making the conscious decision to go up and get seconds. And I usually do, but at least I know I'm actually hungry for it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And rather than having the big plate, like you say, like it's going to be harder to, to say, you know, when there's a quarter of it left, ah, yeah, I'm finished. Even though I do do that now, which is like, I never used to be able to do that. And I'm able to do that now being like, you don't actually want that. It's just like your environment telling you, you do. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's a certain evolutionary drive there as well, where we come from a place where our ancestors, food was scarce. We didn't live in this environment now where you, you know, you, you, you just have to pick up your phone and there's food at your door in 30 minutes time. Like yeah. that's very different. And we're not, you know, we, our genetics haven't caught up to that, if you want to put it that way. Mm -hmm. um, so there is that too. So we have also that internal kind of signal. that's like, oh, eat all that though, because there could be a hard winter coming and we may not get to eat again for a while. Yeah. But of course we do, most of us thankfully get to eat every day. Um, so it's no longer an issue. And uh, yeah, so like that's, that's a great example that you do. Use a small plate for your dinner. And it's like, you know, you and I will both look at that plate as nutritionists and say like, yeah, we know that's not going to be enough for Patrick here, but uh, at least he will know that he needs to get more. And it's not just being driven by how much you've put in front of you. Yeah. Um, and then like things like uh, using chopsticks, uh, which helps people slow down. That's shown to um, reduce the amount that people eat just because they're eating more slowly. So they get more mm -hmm. of a sense of that fullness. Um an example I used in, in not that video, I don't think, but I think the one previous about environment is like, if, if you put someone at a buffet, but you have them seated with their back to the buffet, they'll eat less. And if you seat them further away from the buffet, they'll eat less. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas if they're sitting right beside it, facing it, they're going to eat more because it's an environmental trigger. Yeah. Like constantly the whole time they're sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, I, there's nothing wrong with setting up your environment for success. Like, I think people have this idea that, well, I should be able to, to eat what I need in an environment, like removing snacks or for me, a big thing was like not buying a six pack of beer, you know, on a Friday and then having one or two during the week, you know, and then having it there during the week. Cause I'll drink that on a Monday night. If there's two beers there, I'll have them two beers. And I don't think yeah. there's, uh, who put this post up? I can't remember, but it was the people with the best, willpower are the people who don't have to tap into it the most do you know what i mean and it's mm -hmm. like there's I've nothing said, wrong I've been saying that to people recently yeah oh have you yeah yeah cool i don't so think like i put it out publicly but yeah mm. where the hell did i see it 
It might have been something out. in one of these uh, these books, these stoic books. It might be something that uh, mm. you know one of the big dogs said. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna bug me now. Um, I wonder is it like Atomic Habits or something? Maybe James Clear said it. Um, it might have been James Clear. Yeah, it might have been James. But, Clear. but it's a really really good. It was. Point. It was. My buddy was reading Atomic Habits and he posted and it was highlighted in his book. It was. Ah. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, just came through. Right. Perfect. That's an excellent book uh, mm-hmm. for anyone listening to this about habits, habit formation, how to break or adapt habits um, to serve you uh, better. It's, it's, it's a class read. It's a very easy read as well. So uh, one of the best books out there about like, I don't know, so it's behavior. I like that's easy to implement Yeah, uh, for, for anybody who Tangible reads Tangible things, yeah, yeah. Mm. So yeah, so the idea there is yeah, the people who apparently have the most willpower actually use it the least because they have their environment set up in such a way that they don't need to tap into it all the time. Because like I said this, uh, when I was talking about environment, I was like, if you, if you put me, you know, if this table in front of me was full of snacks uh, and treats and stuff, like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to not have them. I'm not going to have too much of them, but I'm going to have way more than if they weren't sitting here in front of me for like two hours or whatever the hell it is. Have you imagine if you go to a house party, not that we can do those at the moment, but like, and you, you sit down in front of a snack table, like just by the fact that you're in arm, within arm's reach of all of that food, you're going to eat more of it. Mm. Um, and then look like, you know, some people will eat more relatively speaking or less depending on how the rest of their kind of nutrition and lifestyle is set up. But the fact is that, you know, you or I will eat way more in that situation than if we're sitting or standing over elsewhere in the party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you went on to kind of talk about uh, the substitution method where you might not be bored and need food. You just might be bored and need some kind of stimulation where you can run up and down yeah. the stairs. I like that. Or uh, what was the other thing? Have a cup of decaf coffee. Have a cup of coffee. Yeah. Replace it. You, like, especially working from home. Or even in an office environment as well, it's the same thing. Um, just in an office, you may not have the same sort of access to food. Um, but if you're working at home now and you're in your kitchen all day, for example, like as soon as you feel like a little dip in kind of, you know, you've been working on this task for the last 40 minutes or an hour or two hours, whatever the hell it is, um, you'll eventually, they'll eventually become tedious and you just want a little change in your, in your state right then mm. and there. And food is such an easy option for you. You know, you know where it is. It tastes nice. It has a nice reward to it. And um, it's quick to do. You just have to go grab the snack and mm. throw it in your gob and that's it. Um, and then you've instantly changed your state. Like you've taken a break from the task you were doing. You've gotten something like sweet and tasty or whatever it is. Um, and you've gotten the result that you wanted. But the, the idea there is it's not the only option for you in that case. So yeah. Yeah. It's not really about that you want something to eat. It's just because that's an easy way to get what you want, which is just a little change in state, break the monotony of what you're doing. And just to think about how many other ways there are to do that. So go get a glass of water, go get a tea, go get a coffee. Um, doing some like, yeah, like the running up and down the stairs or just doing something like movement related is, is mm. great because at least you get a bit of blood flow a bit more oxygen uptake you're going to feel a lot better for it so and that's where something like the pomodoro method uh, or technique is useful where you know you set that timer for 30 or 40 minutes and then you give yourself a five minute break after each block um 
depending on the work that you do, that would go against the, the concept of doing deep work um, for like yeah, yeah, two, yeah. three yeah. hour blocks at a time. But it depends flow, what like, you're doing. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, having that little bit of a break, you'll find your energy levels and kind of attitude to what you're doing are going to be much better all day uh, as a result. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, just, I, I really like that. I, um, oh shoot. When I was just as a, like another example for people to show that like I understand where they're coming from as well. Back to the, the alcohol. Not that I'm, not that I'm ha- like, I have trouble with alcohol or anything, but like last year when I was doing my thesis and I was like coaching people on the side and I was working with uh, a senior GA team. At the end of the day, I'd love just one beer to like mark, like to cut off the day from the, the night. And once I had that beer, I could stop stressing over work. I would just draw Netflix or something, relax. But then I realized it's not the actual alcohol because all I want is one beer. I, I don't really, you don't get tipsy or drunk after one bottle of beer. It was the act of, it was the symbol of cutting it off or the symbol of taking a board, a break of board, like to kind of cure the boredom, right? Or the monotony. And so what I started doing was, uh, first I got non-alcoholic beers, and now I get these kind of like, there's Whole Foods here in America, which is outrageously expensive, but still, they're like ginger kind of kombucha things. (laughs) Yeah, it's madness. (laughs) But I get one of them and have them instead of in place of a beer, and it's nothing, like I'm not, I don't, I didn't need the alcohol. Do you know what I mean? It was just the symbol. And so just substituting it, yeah, I just think, yeah. That's, that's, that's a very cool example. Um, now, there is a tiny bit of alcohol in that kombucha, and that's definitely yeah, why you chose it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's, a, that's a prime example. It's just yeah, having something that signals the end of the workday where you can just chill out there and relax. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, and, and then Whole, Whole Foods is insane. Like, I've, I've dropped like $40, $50 in there on like a small bag of items yeah and it's like yeah. how yeah and the size of their kombucha fridge like they have an entire a whole thing dedicated like, yeah, of, yeah. Of fucking kombucha. i kind of have to shop there to be honest man because next to me is like a stop and shop and ah oh, like i go in there and i just people watch for about an hour like my shopping is like an hour long because i love to people watch and the amount of like over here it's pretty bad it's a bad state of affairs over here you know the meat and the dairy is really? very poor yeah. quality you know um there's a lot of frozen, frozen dinners, like pre-made dinners being bought by people. Um, right. Yeah. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Okay. Yeah. So we hit everything pretty much snacking from home. We talked about that kind of in our previous podcast as well. But yeah, we'll move on to, so that was part one. I think it was like 22 minutes. I'm, I'm actually going to put that in a separate one because it's nice. It's a, oh, little, okay. it's a little quick hitter for people. Um, you know, just some sweet, tips, sweet. reminders. And now we'll move on to stoicism. Yeah? Are, are we off the clock those last few seconds? Then? Yeah, yeah, I'll, or, I'll cut that out. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah you can, okay, okay. You can relax. What? <laughs> so you can <laughs> relax, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. All right, perfect. Yeah, I just said I'd leave that in because it's a bit of crack. Anyway, make sure you go on to part two. We change things up and we talk about stoicism and it's actually very very interesting brian has a wealth of knowledge on it i learned a bunch i wrote a bunch down you will too i promise if you're not gonna move on and listen our journey ends here my friend (laughs) anyway have a fantastic day and weekend and new episodes coming next week